Hi, I'm Warren and I'm an alcoholic amongst a variety of things that are, that make it difficult to navigate life, I would say. Um, and that's funny that um, you think I'm kind of a relaxed, grounded person, because even if I appear that way internally, I'm certainly not. <clears throat> never have been and I suppose I would say like try to um, part of it is I probably try to like convey that to to the world and people which is a big you know which is really tied into all of my alcoholism and and whatnot is just trying to control the way people see me instead of, you know, trying to convince them that I am um, this person that I want them to think I am like authentic and, and whatever. And instead I just, and I, I don't know, I just spent so much time doing that and so much energy trying to control the way the world sees me that I just definitely, never really um, like actually tried to figure that out for myself. Um, and because I think the world is is scary and intense. And one way that I kind of define my alcoholism is that I just think life is inherently frustrating, exhausting, and um, and overwhelming. So I have found all the different ways to try to curb that and make things seem more uh, manageable. But by doing that, I definitely created like a completely unmanageable lifestyle. So I guess the way, also the way I think about my my alcoholism. And I'm just saying alcoholism to umbrella all of my, you know, whatever isms or mental illnesses, which, you know, it's like, it's all the same thing. And it's all like different also just, but anyway, that's like what I'm referring to is um, that I have a disproportionate reaction to what is actually going on in reality. And I also have a much more challenging time um, like living a healthy lifestyle as opposed to uh, like regressing and living uh, an unhealthy lifestyle. Like I can just fall down so easily, but climbing back up is so much harder. And that's where this program, which I love, um, Alcoholics Anonymous and any other anonymous program, is that it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of daily um, maintenance in order to maintain, in order to stay like to not have to climb back up over and over and over again, basically. Um, 
I drank, used, fantasized, fell into other addictions for a reason, for sure. Um, whether or not those reasons were like validated to to allow the to, you know to like fall into these behaviors so much is another story, which doesn't really matter. But um, like you know, there's just ideas out there that like the like being an addict and alcoholic is an allergy, or you're born with it, or something in your blood or I mean like I think it does you know it is hereditary and all that like and whatnot but like I fucking drank for a reason from the beginning I needed it I needed something to like not feel so crushed every day just by being like a person that's alive you know um I have so much time for sort of 40 minutes. I've never shared for more than 20 minutes ever, which also that seemed long. So honestly, we'll see how this goes. Um, I thought maybe if I talk super slowly the whole time that it would stretch it out. And, um, so I might be doing that, whatever. Or a lot of tangential thoughts. And um, so you guys are in for a treat, <laughs> yes. Um, or a train wreck, we'll find out. Um, so yeah, I'll go into my childhood. It's been such a relevant topic for me lately. Um, I've been in therapy for, I don't know, over 25, consistently for like 25 years. And um, not until just recently am I really delving into like inner childhood, repressed memory, you know, like accessing that kind of part of me and um, just trying to like remember that that, like me as a kid, as a young child is, is the same person. I think one something I did all my life is like compartmentalize my life. It's like into sections and chapters where it's like I had this childhood and then like this, you know, in like my teenage years or like in high school or young adult or like a party, like just all these different things that don't necessarily have a thread that's tying them together, even though like we're all product of our experiences and our history and, um, and environment. But I certainly, you know, didn't really like chain them together. Um, and so I've been trying to do that lately and it's been quite uncomfortable and hard. Um, but anyway, kind of like just explanation of my childhood. So um, nothing like, I don't know, maybe it's, this again, this is something I try to do is like compare the, like what my childhood was like for other people or like how bad or um, second guessing, like 
my trauma, if it's even like warranted, just all these things that um, like I just don't need to do. All I need to do is just like get some information about what happened and like understand that that influenced the rest of my life in a profound way. So that being said, I mean, I grew up with a, you know, a, a mom and a dad who are, you know, are still married and a brother. Um, and I talk a lot, a lot about my brother because he really influenced a lot in, in my life. Um, he's two years older. And like from the get, he was just, um, just in so much pain. Um, and just had such a hard time, like, with everything, with everything in the world, you know, he, I just remember him constantly trying to kill himself as like, at like at the age of eight and like find him trying to like hang himself. And there was just always blood everywhere, like really intense things for anyone to be doing, but especially like, it's just like kind of crazy that a child is, um, like partaking in all these behaviors and needed so much help and attention. And I think my parents were really like, oh, what, I mean, it's their first child. They're like, I don't know. They didn't know how to, you know, let's see. They, I'll just say they had their hands full in a lot of different ways. And he kind of, my, my brother, Steve, kind of just needed so much care and attention that I, sort of just like slipped under the radar in a lot of ways. And um, my parents gave me like a bunch of support and um, and love and um, allowed me to do what I want. Um, but still just like never, I guess I just never was like taught that um, it's okay to just be like me in any way. And um, just seeing my brother this way, I just was like so confused by it that, um, I just felt like I had to be the opposite, complete opposite. I needed to be good at everything. I needed to be popular. I needed to be liked. I needed all those things. And validation became like definitely my first addiction. And it's like, this is, I'm completely unaware that this is like an addiction at the time, obviously. But like I was big validation junkie, still am. Um, but now I have the awareness of it, but, you know, I would, it was just like so in, important to me to get people to like me because I wasn't really like fully understanding how 
to like myself and um, just needed the world to like the reflection of the world to tell me how to feel about myself. And, um, and that's just a common theme that has happened up until this very day is like how I, um, how I deal with things. But I don't know, just from an early age, I just kind of, needed that so much that um, it just became my, my primary motivation and purpose was to like, I mean, listen, it's like, like getting a validation fix constantly is like pretty difficult. It's not like you just go to the liquor store and like get a bottle. It's like, you can't ask for it from people. You have to like manipulate it out of people. It's just like a, a bunch of behaviors I learned to like, that I don't think are all that, um, uh, I think they really inhibit like true intimacy and connection with people because I'm constantly trying to like control how they're um, seeing me and have authentic like relationships with people that um, I'm not just thinking about like what they're going to give me, but also what I can give them. And that's something that uh, has recently been really relevant and awesome, which I'll probably, which I'll get to later. But um, so this is all going on. I'm just, you know, like a, a kid, I'm gotta be class president. I gotta like, I don't know, just like weird, just like weird things I had to like have. I, I felt like I just had to have, in order to uh, be a person with any value, which I guess that's what I mean with my, with kind of like the way I was, I interpreted what I should be is that like, I'm just okay as I am. And I'm a person of value no matter what, and everyone is. Um, and that's been a really like challenging concept to wrap my head around. Um, again, just by using, like, using other people to define myself. Um, so I get to, I don't know, like, I get to middle school and um, junior high. I don't know. I, it seems like a lot of people are from, um, or is this international? I don't know if junior high is a thing there or not. It's basically seventh and eighth grade and um, pre-high school junior high, I guess that's probably self-explanatory, but um, um, so all this stuff's continuing, you know, like, I think it's just like weird being that age for anyone. It's just like, that is stuff, uh, such a, uh, like just a time where you're trying to figure out about yourself. And by when I'm, when I'm saying like, I didn't, when I'm describing like when I'm was younger and like doing all that stuff it's not like i expect to have this fully self-realized like um self-aware person like no one is at that age it's just a matter of like in reflection seeing how i was and kind of like what that developed into other behaviors such as doing drugs was probably the first one that became um, 
my purpose and it became the thing that I needed in order to, I was just not okay if I wasn't using like pretty quickly once I started. Um, and I don't even, I mean, like, it was just so clear, like, I don't know, I would have like jobs, you, you know, like, uh, like high school jobs, being like a clerk at a store or something. It's like, I remember just like leaving the store unmanned and like going to like, go get high in like bushes and like stealing money in order to do that. And just like, kind of thought like, whatever, you know, I mean, I was just like, you know, I, I didn't think that's like a good, like that's an okay thing to be doing, but I wasn't like, whoa, this is completely problematic, like already. Um, and is just only gonna get worse, which it definitely did. But it's something I had to do. It was like, I guess that's the thing with being an active addiction is since it doesn't feel like a choice and it feels like a necessity for survival that doing all like doing such extreme things in order to continue doing that doesn't seem it doesn't it doesn't really like register as like an ethical or moral thing or not it's just like that's what i need to do in order to like provide myself with this um this feeling that like just like made me think I can like be here and now, you know, um, be alive. And so that's where it's like a really sneaky disease. It's just like, well, I just needed to do that. I wasn't, I wasn't really making the choice. Um, so I don't know, this stuff just like continues, you know, until graduation and um, I go to college. Like I do all these things people do, you know, like this trajectory and um, I don't know, my first year of college, I pretty much robbed a bunch of people and then everyone found out and I was just completely like ostracized from everyone at that school and um, that was my first bottom where I was just like, oh, this stuff, like drugs and drinking make me lose stuff in life. So I got sober when I was 19. Uh, for about a year, um, and I was really into it. I was just like, I could see myself doing this forever. Like, I don't know, like I'm, I was just kind of like, it was just clicking. Sobriety was for me. Um, at this point, me and my brother had gotten extremely close, kind of like once we went into high school. We were, I don't know, once I just accepted, I have a really hard time too. Um, just like being alive, then me and my brother like validated one another in a way that no one else could. And we're, we were sort of the one person for each of us that like made us feel okay to be here or something. Um, and it was a very complex relationship. 
um, I don't know, just still stuff to, hard to talk about, but it was very intertwined and um, I don't want to say inappropriate, but it was just like extremely in, intense and very codependent. Um, but anyway, my brother kind of followed me into sobriety. He was just like, just like huge cokehead at that point and um actually got sober before him but like i think like six months afterwards he got sober too and um i don't know and our family was like it was the first time maybe that everyone in my family was um just really happy to be a part of it. Um, I, I mean, like, not just love, but like, just really liked each other. You know, it was like, we're finally just people, kids or parents, whatever, but we just really liked one another. And we like, uh, like our family unit was something we preferred to, to be um, around, we preferred to be around each other. Um, it was just kind of fun, you know? Um, and like that just didn't last long. My brother ended up going out and like the first time he used after sobriety, he died from an overdose. And um, I don't know, that kind of changed everything. It changed just this level of loss changed me so much. Um, because we were so close, I um, just completely lost a part of myself along uh, with him. My parents obviously, like, I mean, you can imagine what that does to parents, what this ended up doing to our family. Um, which we had to do at the time, but in retrospect and looking back now just like got really enmeshed the dynamic i was now an only child and i took on a lot of his of steve's behavior and kind of just the like mentality and became more um this dysfunctional, I would say, and um, unwilling to do anything. I don't, you know, I don't know. I was just like, I became that sick child that Steve was when he was a child that needed to be taken care of. Um, because all those roles made sense. My mom needed, like my mom would have an identity crisis if people didn't need her. And then what that does is like, that makes me need her. And my dad is just, I don't know, floating somewhere in the middle. Um, not allowing himself to feel his feelings, but we just somehow like ended up learning that if I stay sick, I'll be taken care of, which 
um, which really made the, the following like 10 years um, pretty, it, it, made it, it made it rough. I don't know, like all this, this stuff happened and like shit got bad and like hard. And, um, you know, I, w I wasn't sober anymore. And I've been in and out of sobriety like so many times at this point. And like, sometimes it was, I would, you know, not be using for a couple years, but not, not with a program. I was just like, it's fine. And then, I don't know, I always like ended up back to it. And one, it's all very convoluted. I don't even really know how to like piece it all together, like timeline wise, but one really consistent thing is that I would bottom out like it always got worse, never better. Like it got worse and worse and worse each time it happened until, you know, it got to the point where I, I just like, I, I'd go out and I couldn't, it'd take like a few days before I was on the verge of like dying again, you know? Um, and that's something I, you hear in the, in the program Alcoholics Anonymous that it gets worse and never, be, never better. And I fully believe that. And there's something very um, relieving to believe that, that I am just like an alcoholic and drinking is just off the table. And, and it's the, and that's that you know, like that's, it's just at this point, it's not, um, I don't struggle with the idea of like whether or not my life won't be unmanageable if I drink. Um, and I don't believe in a lot of things really, um, but I believe I'm a person that can't drink. And honestly, like that makes um, that's what allows me to then like move forward and try to grow and change and adult and um, and just become like closer to the person that I I I want to be. And I'm actually still trying to figure that out. What that is, um, but. Oh, I know it's, if there's a drink in my hand, I can't do that. So that being said though, I don't think I have, like it says it gets worse and never better, but it doesn't say it will definitely get better. So this last sobriety, I have about five and a half years of sobriety now, which is significantly more than I've ever had. And um, I, um, but I hated it. I hated it for at least two years. Still every day I felt suicidal and, um, didn't like anyone, really didn't like myself, um, didn't like being outside, um, just full on 
like severe depression that I'm very susceptible to. And I don't know, but I stayed, I like, but I didn't drink through it. I guess at that point, just drinking was like, so it just gets so bad that even like, it's even how I was feeling, which is better than that. So, um, um, so I still just like, I, I, I go to a lot of meetings, um, and there's something about the seat in, <laughs> in an in-person uh, meeting that is really important to me because all I did was I just like kept going to this room where there was other people like in recovery and I sat down and it's really that like simple and all along I just felt like I was fully condemned to being dry and and sober and clean and it was going to be horrible for the rest of my life um because it was for a while i mean like two years is a really long time to be feeling that way it was it, you know it just felt like it felt like a really long time um and I don't know, eventually things started to shift. I don't know why or what or like how, but all I did was just like kept coming back. Um, which is such a simple like thing that I've, you know, that people hear and like, there's also the most like profound idea that I've ever, that I've ever heard at the same time. And something that I did that, um, like eventually there just like became this shift. Um, I'm part of an agnostics group. I'm, I am the secretarian group. It's my favorite meeting. It's my home group. And at the same time, I have a lot of things in my life that substitute for what people generally call higher power and God, because I don't think I'm capable of um, like being a happy person with, um, if I hold on to control over everything and I don't let something go, I don't, I don't need to give it up, give it to anything. I just need to shed it. Right. So, um, my version of like a spiritual experience is basically like noticing the shift that's happening and then leaning into it and taking Kind of advantage of what is unfolding in front of me um things that i'm not creating things that are just like happening like and, I, and so like i decide to like engage more because i'm noticing that these opportunities are i will call them opportunities but like i don't know i just like i i embrace it you know, I embrace something that's changing that I'm not changing personally. And because of that, I get to change along with it. And, and it's scary. Like, I don't like doing it. <laughs> Honestly, it's not, um, it's not enjoyable to have these like experiences, whatever you want, spiritual experiences, like changing, I think 
change is terrifying and um, for many for much of my life I decided to just stay in this like comfortable suffering um, because the idea of like what else it could be was like so scary and I didn't know what how um, how my life would be if things did change and I would lose my identity. One thing is I'm like super committed to holding on to an identity that even when it's just like a person that I don't even like, letting it go is really difficult for me. Um, and I think that I, I'm always worried that change is gonna is gonna cause that. But you know, stasis is safe. Um, like I know how to survive in in a depression and suffering. Um, I could feel suicidal, but like I know how to stay alive in it. Um, and and doing things differently, trying to better myself is like I don't know how to survive that actually. This really came up this last year. I think I just like, I got five years sobriety and I was like, you know what? I wanna like step up my game or, or I wanna start incorporating things in my life that make it feel a little more meaningful and, and enrich it. Um, so, so one thing that I would say, I was like, I'm like, have been romantically anorexic for 10 years I have a lot of stuff around romance and um, sex and a lot of discomfort around all these things as well as being in a really abusive relationship that um, completely formed like a terror and trauma around um loving intimacy with another person anyway i prevented myself or deprived myself from like having this in my life even though it's like something i i want in many ways and and so i started incorporating that it was like i started dating and um you know soon it became like addictive of course i i um I go to another program, SLAA, Sex and Love Addiction is Anonymous, putting like fantasy and um, because I really suffer and it's just another thing that hijacks me just like us, just like alcohol or drugs do or, and, and it's, and it, I think that's when I know I'm addicted to something is when I feel completely hijacked from it and I just don't know my, my body and my my behaviors are just happening and they're just like acting on their own and I'm not um, I'm, I just don't feel like I'm making decisions anymore um, I can feel completely out of control and unstable so this is this is another huge um, part of my life that I work on but I started dating and um, I don't know, things were going well. 
and then um, I met someone and um, and then it ended and I was destroyed. This was like eight months ago or something. I was just like destroyed by it. Um, I had not felt this way in so long. It brought me right back to when I first got sober, just that feeling of like full desperation and just feeling like just this primal like child or something. And um, and I needed some help and because um, I, I felt very unprotected. So, um, So all this is to say, like, you know, I was like raised by scientists who like say they're agnostic, but are like full atheists and um, just sort of like, there is no God, but we don't care. That there's not a God kind of thing. Um, and that, you know, good days don't happen. You make it like you don't have a good day, you make a good day happen sort of thing, which is ironic because everyone in our family was completely out of control and incapable of like controlling like how we felt and reacted to things as I described earlier. Um, but control was like something that was taught that like that is the only thing that works. Again, none of us ever being in control of anything. Um, but so this like recent experience with uh, like incorporating romance in my life is like, I was so desperate. And I went to a meeting and like people were just talking about similar things and just like, that they don't survive them without a higher power. And honestly, I was just like, fuck it, let me check that out. And I know this is, um, like not a place where everyone um, uses this thing or, um, or, you know, like is not a part of their like lifestyle or recovery. And I was kind of just like, well, I just like kind of want one of those right now. I just want a higher power right now. Um, which I don't even know what that means. I don't know how you just like go get one or whatever, but um, I just needed to get out of like self so much that um, I just started doing these actions like praying, which is, it's funny, like Chuck Powachek, who's the guy that started um, We Agnostics in Los Angeles, um, was apparently like a huge prayer. He like prayed all the time. And then because it's just this action that again, like I was saying, like just shed something off of you and allows you to like move on with those thoughts and start like living out your day. Um, and so it's just these like, man, all a higher power is is just some tool that I can use to like, alleviate things that are getting in the way of my life from like 
from me doing anything in my life, you know? Um, and one thing I love so much about my recovery is that it's perfect and it has not been easy. And um, but the place that I'm at with with it now is completely because of all the relapsing, all of the like questioning, all of the feeling like bad about, I don't know. It's just like, it is like all that was just necessary for me to get where I am right now. And um, and I just like, I don't know, like I just, I love that it doesn't need to be anything forever. Um, and so I'm having this experience right now and um, and it, it isn't like conforming to anything. It's just this thing that's come up that like is being integrated and can be integrated out whenever. And I don't even have to decide to do it. I just like do what I need to do to get through things. It's like right now I've, I, I just um, got certified to be drug and alcohol um, counselor, which is not my career path, but it's, it's something I'm gonna do in some capacity. And um, I'm particularly uh, looking into this type of therapy called DBT, which is like dialectic behavioral therapy and um, was developed for like borderline personality disorders, but is really effective for um, specifically highly emotional, like people that are in their early sobriety. Um, and it's all about um, damage control and doing what it takes to stay safe, no matter what. Like, I don't know, it's pretty crazy. There's some things in it that are like a little seem like, is this right? I mean, like, like if you're a cutter, just like get a red marker and like draw red lines on your arm where you cut or like, you know, just, just like kind of extreme things that don't, or like, you know, get a rubber band and like snap it on your wrist until you're like, until it's like completely red or something, or, you know, like all these tools that are just in, used to replace this other behavior of yours in order just to like calm down without doing permanent damage. And then you're, until you're able to be in a place of like emotional regulation. Anyway, like it doesn't matter. Like I don't have to get into like the whole process of it, but what I'm saying is um, it's all about just like doing the doable in the moment and learning to never be embarrassed or ashamed of how you're feeling and your safety become is is more important than than anything else um and so you just do it um, and i really like that it's it just seems very humanistic and kind of primal and um an authentic way to like nurture oneself which i've always had such a difficult time doing um because I look back on when I was like, I don't know, I think 
what it took, like what the things that I could do when I first got sober compared to what I can do now are so vastly different. I remember the first few months of my sobriety, staying out of bed was the most difficult thing ever, you know, like it was such a heavy task to not just stay in bed and, um, and live in there. And so I don't know if it's like, if I could do one thing that day, it'd be to not get back in bed. And I would do things like put chairs or like other small furniture or something on my bed just to like, just to like physically have this barrier to not just like go lay down in it. And it was like, that's what I was capable of at the time. That's what was doable. And you know what? Now I can't like leave my place without my bed being perfectly made. And um, my capacity for what is doable now is much more, uh, is much less, um, is much less like remedial than that or basic and um, and like and and I don't know and then the future like it'll be even less that and hopefully I mean that's the idea or at times maybe it will be like I'll digress and start putting furniture on my bed again who knows like it's all fine and I can just um Like accept where I'm at, allow myself to feel what I feel and do what I need to take care of that. Anyway, I just, I don't know. I kind of just like uh, went on a tangent about that, but um, I don't know. It's all related to just being, uh, just figuring out how to navigate life um, and how to enrich my life and, um, and not try to control every small thing or shame myself for um, you know, whatever it is that like prevents me from doing um, what I, what I want to do. Um, so going back to just kind of where I'm at with that experience of romance and like, and it's so funny, like it ended and I thought it was like, what I needed so much and I look back at it now already and I'm like that was super dysfunctional and the guy was like a major avoidant and I'm like a really anxiously attached person and it like wasn't working and it was all just validation trying to get validation through sex and like all these things that I'm just like that's what I think a relationship is and um I don't know. And so this other person came along, this guy, Danny, who I have a relationship with now. And it just kind of like happened. And it's completely opposite. And it's completely respectful. It's so healthy, almost to a point where I don't know how to, to handle it. And there's like some things I'm trying to like, get used to that are making me uncomfortable just because it's not this thing that I taught myself is what I deserve and what I need, which is a massively dysfunctional um, relationship where I feel insane and, and anxious all the time, just, in, just to, and that I need it because if I don't, then, then what will I do with myself? You know, uh, like, I don't know, like, I guess what I'm saying is that 
what I'm learning is, well, I went to this meeting like a, a while back and they were just like, we're just talking about happiness and it just made me think like, what really is that? And like, I think that's the easy go-to like answer of like what people want in life is happiness. And um, I don't know, when I think about happiness, it like just comes along with a lot of expectations about what that looks like. And I'm just learning more and more that I'm receiving things in my life that like I didn't know was what I wanted or what was good for me or um, what I was capable of. Because for so long, I just told myself like, that's not for me. A loving relationship isn't for me. A career isn't for me. Success isn't for me. Um, getting what I want isn't for me. And happiness isn't for me. It's like the main one. And it's like, well, if that's the narrative I have, like, I'm never going to get those things. And I'm just trying to get to a point where, like, I just want to like allow things to happen and um, be enlightened through just like letting them in my life and like realizing like, oh, this is kind of what, what well adjustment looks like or, or, or happiness. I mean, I don't know what else to call it, but like, or contentment and, um, and what love is and, um, And it's kind of blowing my mind. I'm, I don't, I'm, I'm like fascinated by what's happening in my life right now. And, um, and it's all development. Things are just like developing. And my idea of development and growth was, has always just been this, like this in, increase in, in greatness like things get better and better and better and better along with growth. And um, as if it's like a chart, you know, where you have like growth and whatever happiness and it just like goes up and up and up. Um, and it's just not that, it's just like, I don't know, it's just not that simple. And it just makes me kind of excited for, well, what will it look like in a couple of years or, or in 10 years or um, without attachment to like any specific thing. And because um, when I'm so attached to ideas and, 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 and things that I think I, I don't deserve, but I want, um, it just like creates such disappointment in myself and the rest of the world that I don't know what else to do, but like be self-destructive, which, and that looks like so many different behaviors. Honestly, I don't even know where I'm at with this. I haven't talked for this long and I can't even remember without another person like, it, you know, bouncing off of them. Um, so, 
actually give me like 15 seconds. I'm just going to kind of like reset. I don't know if anyone just wants to have a small little meditation, but I'm just going to like sit here a second and think. Um, All right, hi everyone again. Um, that's something I never would have done in the past, you know. Um, right then it was just like something I needed and I just like, and just allow myself to do it. Um, which is so massive for me, I got to say, like, that's, that's sort of like proof of, of recovery for me is, um, having like some level of self-respect where I just get to ask for my needs to get met. Um, I don't know, before I would just like tell myself, like, I'm not allowed to do that. I can't make people wait. I have to, I can't not please them. I can't like annoy them. I can't. I just can't get what I need at the, at the expense of what other people want. And And this is kind of what, I, I guess this is just making me realize like the thing that I want in life and in my recovery is self-respect and um, I've never had it. And so doing things that where I like ask for what I need, I do this with my boyfriend all the time now. And luckily he's extremely uh, open to receiving these sort of like awkward requests that might not seem that just like, I don't know, it's a new thing for me, like asking for what, what I, what I need. And, um, and just realizing like, it's all okay. And I can either get it or I can't. And, um, but asking for it is like a level of transformation and that I see in me that it's like, oh, all of this is worth it, you know? Like all of this work I'm trying to do, all of this um, recovery and it's like, these are the gifts that I get. It's not fucking cash and prizes It's just feeling a little bit better about myself. Um, and not putting myself down or putting myself up, honestly. It's really just allowing myself to think I'm deserving. Um, 
You know what, honestly, I don't even, I don't, I don't know what else more to talk about. Again, like just because it's supposed to be 40 minutes and I don't have anything to talk about doesn't mean I have to keep going. There's another example of just like asking for, you know, doing what I need to do. So I'm going to end there. Um, sorry if this is, I don't even know how long it was. Maybe it was like an hour and a half already. But um, anyway, thanks for letting me come. You know, I've never done this kind of share at this level. So thanks for being my guinea pigs. Um, and that's about it. <laughs>